Things are, are taught more than they're taught. So you can role play and you can do family lessons in your home, but your personal example is going to be more important than anything else. How you treat others, how you react in hard circumstances. From the sunny palms of Los Angeles, this is Bully Buster, the podcast where Rhonda Orr speaks with guests battling the bully culture. Listen to real stories and find real solutions using Rhonda's Triangle of Triumph, going from victim to survivor to leader. Rhonda is an award-winning executive trainer, columnist, and speaker. She's also served as the founder of two nonprofits addressing child abuse and bullying. Now, here's Rhonda. Welcome back, moms, to episode number seven. Today, I'm going to introduce you to a truly extraordinary woman. Jamie Villalobos is an entrepreneur living in Thousand Oaks, California. Along with her husband, Sean, she started Team Revolution Incorporated, which is a financial services firm. They serve upwards of 3,600 associates in 30 states and Canada. She's a mentor for those looking for financial guidance. And get this, Jamie and Sean became debt-free and seven-figure income earners before they reached age 30. But you know what? Jamie has always put her family, she has four kids, and her faith first. She's learned the value of teaching all of her children differently based on their individual personalities. That's especially true for her oldest, 14-year-old Daisy. Jamie has faced a childhood of abject poverty and family sexual abuse with genuine hope, persistent strength, and all the moral strategies that she values in any relationship. Today, we're going to focus on how we, as moms, or anyone who helps or guides girls in any way, can overcome bullying through our triangle of triumph. Jamie is the epitome of being an example of choosing not to stay a victim, and we discuss the difficulties of making that choice. We'll discuss what being a survivor means by defining who we are and what we want for our lives. We'll talk about influencing our future generations by breaking that cycle of family abuse. And Jamie will explain how she really enjoys being a leader who loves life and enjoys healthy relationships while giving service. I am so honored to have Jamie join us today. Welcome, Jamie. No problem. I'm excited. I'm excited to do this with you. Well, you know, I was thinking about when I was young, and we moved constantly. I mean, I went to five high schools and skipped my junior year, moved all over the United States. I don't remember anyone ever mentioning the word bullying. And I lived behind a facade of everything looks good on the outside, but when behind closed doors, it wasn't quite that rosy. And I didn't tell my parents when I was being treated poorly, which was often because I was always the new kid. So what did you learn about bullying when you were growing up? You know, honestly, in, in our schools, it wasn't a thing that was really taught or talked about. You know, obviously it was happening. We saw it all the time. There was no assemblies on it. There was no one talking about it. 
at school or really at home. I just remember, I think one time my mom was like, if you ever get picked on, just punch him in the nose. Like that was really all the lessons I got on stuff like that. So <laughs> I didn't come home and say, hey, this happened today at school. Today, I think it's a little bit different. There's a little bit more awareness. And I'm happy about that. Well, there is a lot more awareness. I go into schools all the time and speak to the kids and they're used to the word bullying. However, one time, not too long ago, I was invited to talk to the principal and vice principal about speaking at their school. They told me, please come and speak to our school, 3,000 high school kids, but don't mention the word bullying. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I can't wow. do that. I'm sorry. And I think sometimes it's because of funding. They, they get public funds and they don't want to admit that they have a problem with bullying because they have all these programs going on. So... How, how is Daisy learning about bullying in your home and at school? Honestly, I think that at her school, there's awareness about it at least. There's a school mascot that she had in her middle school and elementary school that was a frog, that his main topics were be kind and anti-bullying messages. They've had several assemblies about it and guest speakers. It's talked about at least. I have four children, ages four to 14. My daughter's 14. But I had an incident that happened with my 11-year-old. It was really upsetting because he was at school and that week was a St. Patrick's Day and all week long, uh, the teacher was kind of playing tricks on the kids and hiding things and, and, you know, pretending the leprechaun was doing it. And at the end of the week, there was a message left, I'm wearing red and, and like this little riddle. And once everybody went out to the playground, they saw my child and they said, he's wearing red get him. And this entire classroom, boys and girls started chasing him. He had no idea what was happening chasing him. He was running, you know, ducking under things. They eventually caught up with him. He broke loose. They caught him again. They pushed him down. They were holding his arms behind his back, hitting him. And it was girls and boys screaming at him. And it was severely traumatic. And the sad thing was no one from the school called me. What? Another parent called me that night and they said, how is Austin? I was giving my kid a bath and he was so traumatized about what he saw today at school. I can't believe the school didn't do anything. Nothing. And so, you know, I went into my son's room. I'm like, hey, do you want to tell me about something that happened at school today? He's like, if I tell you right now, I'll start crying. I can't. I'll, I'll tell you when I can, when I can, right? I said, no, you need to tell me what happened. And so he told me the exact same story that this other boy told his mom. And so I went to the school and they said, no, that didn't happen. Oh my. And I, you know, tried to talk to the principal and they said, he's too busy. They didn't want it to go up the chain. And eventually they just kept denying that this happened. And then my husband was friends with one of the boys that was beating him and holding him down. And he told him, he's like, this is what your son did. And so he went to his son and said, did this happen? And why did this happen? And at first he said, no, Austin's my friend. But then he started crying. He's like, I'm so sorry I did this. Oh, and then the other teacher of the classroom brought the entire class into uh, my son's classroom and they apologized as a group. And it was totally humiliating for my son in front of his whole classmates for this to happen. And so it was just really handled poorly. And I just couldn't understand why the school would just flat out deny that it happened. Eventually, when the other parents of the abusers uh, had told the school what happened and they were actually taking responsibility, the school couldn't deny that it happened. But at the same time, they said, we can't tell you any action we're taking. And that was it. That was done. And that there was nothing else I could do. It's pretty upsetting. That is really upsetting because I always tell kids that they need to report, report, report what happens to the school. They should have been the first 
to call in both families. That never happened. Of every person that was involved and whoever said he's wearing red, go get him. I mean, that could be a role play for bullying. And going back to your question as far as how I I teach my daughter, obviously she's getting more education at school than I was getting, but it's not enough. I mean, all these things really should be taught in the home. And so some of the things we do, like family nights, where we'll have topics of being kind to others, civility, taking responsibility, integrity, just strengthening in the home, I think is is a great thing to do. And also role-playing, I think is really good. You mentioned role-playing. Like you are going to be in these situations. Let's be real. You're going to be in situations where you have peer pressure, you're feeling like you're uncomfortable or being bullied. How would you handle if someone said this to you? And and I remember one time, you know, Daisy was pretty young and I said, they're going to offer you vaping tobacco. What are you going to say? And she's like, "Um, I don't know. You know, and so we we went through it a few times and then finally she was like, ew, your teeth are yellow and I don't want my breasts to stink like you. (laughs) And I was like, okay, that's one way, right? The more you talk about these things, when it does happen, and it will, the more comfortable they are in reacting a certain way instead of being Absolutely. so scary, you know. Well, and I agree with that. And it reminds me of actually doing role plays, the things that you can say. I try to talk to kids about what it means to be a victim, especially young kids, 9, 10, 11, and younger, because kids start cutting at age 10, <sighs> especially girls. One thing I noticed is that your son felt safe enough to come home to you and tell you and even say, I'm still hurting so badly, I don't want to be in this state of being. To me, that spoke volumes of how you're parenting. I remember my daughter you know, being really upset and crying and sad that her good friends, her girlfriends, were ignoring her, but in so much of a way that it was exclusion, where she'd be there and they're talking and they'd be like, do you hear something? Do you hear something? No, I don't hear anything. And then they just kind of keep talking, right? And it was whatever they're doing that day. And she, she's like, why is this happening? It's a lot of times, you know, parents will say, well, what did you do? Or ignore it. And then they just feel like, what's wrong with me? Why is this happening to me? Or, you know, I'm, I'm the odd man out. I'm the third wheel. I think that's hard. I think that you got to get in a position with your kids at a very young age that they can feel comfortable coming to you and talking about whatever it is and not being dismissed as, oh, it's just girl drama or that kids will be kids or deal with it or find new friends or, you know. Yeah. Dismissal. You said the magic word. Don't let them feel dismissed. That, to a child, makes the situation tenfold worse because they can't go to anybody. I'm I'm a real advocate of having a school counselor at each school, but I tell young girls that their first line of defense is their posture and eye contact and walk up to that person, even if it's their best friend, and say, stop bullying me, turn, don't engage, and walk away. Girls one-upping at such a young age, where do you think that comes from? I'm sure they're seeing it in society. Also, this shows that they're watching and of course on social media. Our program that I developed simply because of my own journey, the Triangle of Triumph, which means going from victim to survivor to leader. And starting with victim, how do you actually teach Daisy? Sometimes it's just talking about it. Sharing stories. One popular story that we share with Daisy is, you know, Oprah or, you know, just other stories of women and men of they've got people go through tough things, 
hard things. I remember being bullied one time in third grade and I'm walking home from school and there's two girls behind me and I can hear them saying mean derogatory things towards me and being scared, you know, trying to walk a little bit faster and them kind of walking a little bit faster. And I, before I was turning kind of to go down my street, they grabbed me and beat, beat me up. And I remember thinking, well, they're mean girls. So you kind of create the story of what happens from there. I could have created a story of the victim. I, I was a victim, but I don't have to stay the victim. You know, sometimes staying the victim is like, what's wrong with me? Well, I'm such a nerd. I don't fit in. But instead, the story was, well, they're just mean girls. But then actually a few months later, one of the girls and I became very good friends and kind of changed that story. There's a gentleman that, you know, is in our family that he was abused. A lot of them in our family were abused. And, you know, at a young age, his, his dad put his hands in the fire and burned him and in oh, several different wow. physical abuse. And he ended up becoming an alcoholic, homeless, and he ended up abusing other people. At one point, you can empathize and say, gosh, you know, this is horrible, these things that happened to him. And even though he, maybe he abused me or others, sad. But at the same time, others have gone through similar experiences and have gone on to go and help other victims. And they've gone on to lead incredible lives where they are good people and they're successful members of society and they're making a difference. That's why these things happen to you. It kind of becomes your responsibility to show everyone else this is how it's done. And I love your example of giving her role models. The key of the whole program is learning not to stay a victim. And by your examples and stories and giving them heroes to look up to and how they've turned around and turned it into a very positive action, I'm sure your daughters and sons look up to you. Example speaks volumes more than anything else that we do. Would you agree with that? Things are, are caught more than they're taught. So you can role play and you can do family lessons in your home, but your personal example is going to be more important than anything else. How you treat others, how you react in hard circumstances, and are you doing things to lift others around you? I've always kind of had one of my personal mission statements is I want to be the hero to my kids. I want to be the one that is the role model to my kids. Because if in the absence of that, it's whatever society puts in their face, whatever they're seeing on social media and on the TV. Um, unfortunately, that's not usually the best example. And whatever, whatever is funny. We had a campaign of JK doesn't make it okay. The whole world just thinks everything is so funny. And the kids have been extremely hurt by not responding in the way that others think they should. Isn't it funny that a text message, for instance, I don't know if Daisy's ever encountered something like this, but a very popular message is, you're stupid, you're fat, you're ugly. Why don't you go kill yourself? Oh, I was just kidding. Why are you so sensitive? Oh, you're such a drama queen. Get over it. And so how do they learn to get the right kind of attention? I think that no matter who you are, you know, you need you need the right kind of attention. And so I think as, as leaders and role models and parents, we really need to be giving the right positive attention. I have a thing that we call in, in business leadership, but also in my home is called EPR. Like CPR, right? When someone's dying, they need CPR, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know they need CPR when they're dying, right? Right. But, you know, but 
but they're hurting and they're down. They need EPR, which is encouragement, praise, and recognition. And so encouragement, it means you're encouraging them. It's like through whatever they're going through, that you're going to hold their hand, that you're going to be there for them. Praise is you just can't give enough. Praise for every little thing. Kids love praise. Human beings love praise. They crave it. You know, we want to praise for the effort that they're putting forth, their talents, their gifts. We want to try to look at every every little developing talent or passion that they might have and, and pour onto that and encourage that recognition when they do something right. And, and so I have, you know, four kids and they're all so different. They all have very high self-esteem. Daisy thinks she's going to change the world, you know, <laughs> Good. Even though she's a young 14 year old girl, but she, in her mind thinks, you know, I'm going to change the world because I'm a natural born leader. I have a talent in a gift to, to lead others and to help others. But Austin, you know, he's more of my like jock. <laughs> and for him, I'm like, I tell him like, listen, Whoever you marry, they're so lucky because you are so thoughtful and so kind and you're, you treat women so well and you're, you always are good to the elderly and good to kids. You have such a heart. And then Brody, he thinks he's going to change the world because, you know, he thinks he's so gifted and smart and, and just good at creating and building. And Brody is, you know, a little nerdy and he owns <laughs> it. You know, he's, he, he's fine with it. People need people to believe in them. Adults and children, especially children at, you know, delicate ages. Believe them. Yes. Believe them and believe in them. And a lot of what you're saying about sharing talents goes along with the, the survivor side of our triangle. Define yourself before others do because bullies want to define you in a very negative way. But what you're teaching your kids is define yourself with one of the C's, creativity, that's the easiest way to define yourself by the talents that you share. That EPR, I love that because it's true. You know, my husband has a thing about one thing I like about you. He just started it one day when we, we walk in the mornings and he said, one thing I like about you. And then it just started this snowball of, well, you know what I like about you? And it really helps to squelch problems and get stuck. So you're actually solving problems without saying, this is bad of you because you do this. You're saying you're better every day. There's one thing that I would suggest maybe to a parent or anybody that's working with these children is try to take one whole minute. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem like that much time or maybe even five minutes if you can, but just one-on-one -on -one with the child, looking at them and saying, here's what I like about you. And that whole time, you know, you're saying like, listen, you, I see how you treat your friends. You are such a good friend. You are so kind, but you're also good at this. And here's what I love about you. You know, the way that you are so thoughtful in this and then, but you're also good at this. And I'll consciously do that sometimes and they'll stop and they'll just really listen to you and soak it in. It's, I just really love that exercise. Well, I was a single mom when my child was a baby because of physical abuse and I was told by my first therapist that I ever went to, take 20 minutes every day that you're home because I traveled a lot for my work and get eye level. He was, he was just a toddler and they love because they're seen, they're heard. And that's the kind of attention that you're giving your kids and you're, you're living your phrase EPR. You're living that. And you're building on it. And I always say the reason that we want you to define yourself is because we want you to feel good enough about yourself to kind of forget yourself and focus on the things that are important. And what 
things are important are building relationships, number one, and number two, service. And I don't mean, you know, raking grandma's leaves. I mean, smiling. So what what are your values? Well, I love what you said about service. I think service and charity is something that I value. Family, honesty, loyalty. But I think service is a big one for self-esteem. I think that getting your children involved in family service projects is good, but no matter what age they can serve. But Daisy's, she's been always, as long as I can remember, she's been involved in different service things. I remember when she was four or five, she had this thing in her room. It was like Spider-Man. And it said like, with with great power comes great responsibility. It's like Spider-Man's uncle's quote or whatever. And, And I would teach her, look, you're a leader. And when you're a leader, it's your responsibility to help others. And I remember she was five. We're going to have like her birthday party. We're going to have the party of the year. We're going to invite all the kids from church and all the kids from your business and all the kids from my school and all the kids on our block. But she's like, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have no gifts. We're going to have everybody bring like a toy or a book or whatever they want. And we'll give it to the kids with no daddy. And I was like, what? And, and so in her mind that it was a women's shelter. Right. And truckloads wow. get took to three different women's shelters to this party. But it, I thought that was so interesting. And then she was a little older and she took it upon herself to do hot cocoa stands and lemonade stands. And she raised about about 1200 bucks and she went and bought all these gifts. And Christmas Eve, we went down, her and I went down to Skid Row and she gave out wrap. She wrapped them all herself. I don't know, hundreds of gifts. And she gave them out to the children at Skid Row. I just think that those types of things, having your kids involved in you know, whatever it is, charity projects grows their strength and their character. She has this group at school that they, they play sports with the special needs kids. I just love it. I think that it's just really helps them in so many ways that, you know, it strengthens them against, it gives them like a kind of an armor against bullying. I've heard her correct people when they use derogatory terms, you know, towards especially special needs type things, but she'll say like, no, don't use that word. And she'll stand up to bullies. I just, I really think that that's a huge part of, in in her development in that area. I'm so glad you mentioned special needs because the special needs kids are bullied the most. How do you care about them? You listen, you ask open-ended questions, you know, who, what, where, when, why, how. And that kind of training that I used to do as a corporate executive, why aren't we teaching our kids these things. And it sounds like you are. Yeah. And you know, one thing that just reminded me of this is like, you know, the EPR, it's encouragement, praise. And then the last one's recognition, which I didn't mention, but recognition means actually giving an award, publicly recognizing people. And so when another parent or someone mentions it to me, I will do a public award ceremony in my living room, right? Buy these giant oversized candy bars. It's like, this is what happened today. You know, Miss So-and-so called me. The teacher called me and told me that, that Brody did this. And what a great strength of character and kindness and that he showed. You're talking about how they become confident, how they cherish civility, how they have courage, right? Do you ever use the word courage when you recognize them? Yeah, courage or you're so brave. This is a hard thing and you did it anyway. You know, that's what, that's what champions do. That's what leaders do. You know, tough things happen, but you did it anyway. That must have been a hard thing to stand up for your friend when that happened. It's not easy. Probably other people watched it happen and, and, and didn't do anything about it. But yeah, courage is huge. And it adds to your self-esteem because you feel like regardless of the results, I had the courage to stand up 
and do the right thing. And I think it's so hard for kids to stand up as a witness to bullying because they think, I don't want to get bullied like that too. Right. And at the same time, I think even what we've just witnessed with the cops that stood by in the George Floyd situation of Black Lives Matter is that you can't stand by. Kids have been bullied to death, literally. How do you address that with your kids? I don't know. Maybe I'm a strict parent, but I don't let my kids play Fortnite. And it's a video game. It's they said it's the it's they said it's the most highly what I've read about it. It's the most highly addictive video game out there right now. One 12 year old boy I just read about hung himself because he had broke his screen and the dad was going to buy him a new one and he was super highly addicted to this game. So he's getting bullied and stuff, but. But how Austin had actually combated it was sticking up for the, instead of kind of fighting, he felt so, he felt very helpless because he didn't want to stand up for himself because of this other child thinking like, yes, he's doing this to me, but you know, he's probably been bullied himself. He's special needs. But instead, what he started to do was stand up for the other kids that were getting bullied. And that actually increased his confidence. And then the other thing went away. Perfect. Bullies don't bother people that are they're not allowing their power to be giving away. But that's not to victim shame because oftentimes bullies still get the best of you regardless. And Austin is really young to be able to start doing something like that, being the example. And it leads me to one of the other five C's, communication. So it sounds like you have a natural gift or did you develop your body language, your tone of voice, what words you use? Was that something that you developed or had just had a natural gift for it? I don't think it was a natural gift. I actually am positive it wasn't. But I grew up in poverty. I, you know, I grew up, I was abused sexually and in different things. But I grew up thinking instead of I'm worthless or instead of yes, things happen to me, but I don't want this for my family. Changing kind of that script of dwelling on it, of what's wrong with me or those things. What do I really want my life to look like for my kids, for myself? Instead of looking at what going forward versus kind of keeping myself in that victim. But I I eventually became a student of leadership and then a student seeking out mentors in lots of different areas, Um, but also in communication, because if you are going to make a difference in others' lives, you need to be able to communicate a a message that that individual can receive. I had to be a student of it. I had to get better at it. I had to do more of it in parenting. Again, each one of my kids is totally different, and I do talk to them differently. With Daisy, you know, let's just even for an example of just getting up in the morning, I'll come in a room, flip on the lights. I'm like, up and at them, let's go champ, and I'll just shut the door right? Whereas I go into, you know, I go into Austin's room and I'll make it a game. Sometimes I'll jump on his bed, like earthquake, get out of bed. I'll do like, start hitting him with a pillow. You know, I guess have to play is kind of his form of communication. And with Brody, I'll just kind of snuggle up with him and I'll sing him, you know, the good morning. It's like this good morning birdie song that I sing. I just had to learn, you know, that different people have different needs. Communication is different. And so I just have been a student of it and tried and to get better. And obviously not perfect. We're all, you know, works in progress. But I, you know, I, I do want to improve in these areas, especially with my own family. I, like you, was sexually abused. And then I became, as an adult, I was ostracized from family members and is so hard to realize that your family can participate in abuse. And it's just hard. 
Yeah. Well, it was a family member of mine. So. Yeah. It's so hard to do that, but I did the same thing you did. I developed my first nonprofit, Stop Child Abuse, theatrical organization and productions, and I produced theater to create funds and awareness for already existing child abuse organizations like Children of the Night and Kids Peace and those types of things. And that helped me to even start my journey of not staying a victim, learning how to do that. But we can become a victim Again, and you don't need to be ashamed. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you should be embarrassed about it. What do you tell Daisy and and your other children about if you do become a victim again? Well, like I said, I think bad things happen, you know, and we don't have to, that doesn't have to be our script in our mind. So we could create in our mind well, I'm not worthy, you know, our self-worth or what's wrong with me or I'm maybe even deserve this. Yeah. I'm a nerd or I'm a whatever. Why, why can't I be like them in comparing? Or we could change our script to maybe even feel empathy for those abusers. Well, look at what happened to him when he was a child. Not condoning it, not condoning that behavior whatsoever. Doesn't mean I'm going to put myself in a position to hurt to happen again, hopefully. Going now to overcoming it, or you call it survivor, is this is what I want from my life. Thinking about going forward, the person that you're going to be, the things that you want to create. I tell Daisy, like, you can be a consumer or you can be a creator. You can sit there and be on social media and soak up all this whatever uh, as a consumer, or you can go out and create something that will be someone else's consuming, good or bad right? And so that creating mentality of what you want to manifest in your own life, what you want your your future to look like. I think what we think about and what we dwell on, we bring about more of. It's hard when in life, we're all going to have hard times. We're all going to have sickness, death, trials, adversities, and temptation. How we respond to those things will define our future. You know, when these bad things happen and they'll happen to all of us, I think we can learn from them. When every adversity, there's a seed of equal or greater value, even any form of bullying and abuse, especially when we're going through it. If we can say, okay, what can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? Then we can go to like, not just overcoming, but also helping others. Well, Jamie, is that your final message to moms and daughters? Or do you have anything else you'd like to say? I guess just girls, women, moms, there's two of you. There's the the gal or girl, you know, that that is, and the one that is to be. There's that second better version of you. And so to get there, you're going to go through the peaks and you're going to go through the valleys. You're going to go through the victories. You're going to go through the struggles. But remember, try to envision what that second version of you looks like, the good that she's going to do, the things that she's going to create, the you know leader or mentor or role model, communicator, whatever that you're going to be. And really get a clear picture of who she is and be excited about that instead of it's hard. I am so thankful for our conversation, Jamie. You have enlightened everyone. Moms are going to be so excited to have this message and see how you took the horrible adversity in your life and switched it around and became a a leader what you do and the hundreds, hundreds of people that you affect with your goodness in your life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Jamie Villalobos is just the perfect example of living our triangle of triumph. 
both as a mom and a teacher for her daughter, and of course, her other kids. I have three takeaways that also match our triangle's path of going from victim on the left-hand side to survivor to leader. Number one, being a victim, Jamie says, means changing your script of how you define yourself before others do. Bullies love to define you as a victim. Jamie's before script was growing up in great poverty, feeling worthless, and asking herself, what's wrong with me? She was ashamed and believed, well, maybe I deserve this abuse. But then she changed that script to a new one when she chose not to stay a victim and asked, what kind of life do I want for myself and my family? Number two, when Jamie became a survivor and chose to stop the generational bullying and adversity in her family, she redefined herself. She sought out leadership mentors. They taught her how to communicate differently with individual personalities. Then she envisioned what her future would look and feel like using service and learning from adversity how to grow and give. And number three, we all, we know this, we all have hard times from debt, trials, adversities, and even temptations. Bad things happen to all of us. But Jamie said that in every adversity, and I just love this, in every adversity, there's a seed of equal or greater value that we can learn and grow from and not just overcome, but also help others. Now, I call that leadership. Finally, there's a better second script version for you to create for yourself and your daughters. Find our show notes for this episode at bullybuster.us slash Jamie, J-A-I-M-E where we post new and exciting episodes every Wednesday. Subscribe and never miss a show. Sign up for our newsletter and share Bully Buster comments or even call me at 323-438-0249. Thanks again, moms. I'm Rhonda Orr. Let's build civility for a new generation. Go to Rhonda's website, bullybuster.us, to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. That's also where you'll find information about having Rhonda speak at your event or school. It's all at bullybuster.us.